This podcast from Teacher Magazine is supported by the QT Academy. Visit qtacademy.edu.au. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Teacher Magazine. I'm Zoe Kaskamanidis. How can we support reading aloud in the early years, at school and at home? And how does reading aloud affect our lives in the long term? In this episode of The Research Files, I'm joined by Professor Emerita Rosemary Johnston, AM, from the University of Technology in Sydney. Today we'll be unpacking some of the research on the benefits and joys of reading aloud, how it impacts our learning, and how we can continue to support reading aloud at school and at home. Professor Rosemary Johnston, thank you for joining us for this episode of The Research Files. My pleasure, Zoe. Now, last time we spoke with you was all the way back in 2016 about the Scholastic Survey, and you raised some really fantastic points in that podcast episode about reading aloud for pleasure, and mentioned that there's a lot of research on this topic, and so this is something we wanted to delve back into today. And I wondered if you can start us off by catching us up on some of the recent research about the benefits of reading aloud. I've set it in the context of some of the other broader research as well. Literacy is prismatic. It's got many definitions. It's part of connection and not only to community, but to ourselves. It's fundamental in growth, human development and human interaction. I love Kofi Annan saying Literacy is actually the road to human progress and the means through which every man, woman and child can reach and realise his or her full potential. Barack Obama said it's the most basic currency of the knowledge economy. And I wanted to place what I'm going to talk about in that broader context because it is Listening is a part, and speaking, of course, is a part of literacy, and it's something that reading aloud somehow gets swamped over a little bit, I think, Um, and we don't always realise the contribution it makes. Literacy involves the skills of reading and writing, speaking and listening. These four elements are profoundly interrelated, and particularly when we read aloud, because we're reading the signs, that is arrangements of letters and words, that are created by writing and speaking what we read to others who are listening. And that's, I think, very important for teachers to be assured of. Absolutely. And it does talk to the fact that when we think about literacy, it's actually a much broader picture, isn't it? That's right. Look, I've, I've organised my thinking into those three categories, reading aloud to our young as parents and family and caregivers, and reading aloud to our students as teachers in the classroom, and reading aloud not only to infants in the very young, but to older children, older young people, and even older people. (laughs) I read aloud. I have read aloud many, many times to my university students. So why is reading so important? And why do we need to really stress and emphasize all aspects of it? Reading and writing, speaking and listening. 
so mm. I want to contextualise it in the research. We all know the importance of reading. Reading affects everything you do, said a little boy who at the age of nine was as the re researcher, it was Professor Stanovich, um, said, this little boy was already feeling and sadly being disadvantaged. He was a poor reader and had given up, disheartened, discouraged, disempowered by a system that, that had let him fall through the cracks. I'm sure some of you, in fact, many of you, will have had a similar experience to me of a young colleague who finds herself this year in a primary class in a middle-class suburb, and it's a year four class that includes a number of children who can't read. Slow reading acquisition affects more than a child's performance in the reading class, and that is why I think it is so important that we highlight this. Stanovich wrote, slow reading acquisition has cognitive, behavioural and motivational consequences that slows the development of other cognitive skills and inhibit performance on academic tasks. And I think that's, that's, a, that's a damning indictment of, of what happens to so many, so many kids. Research reveals unsuspected related problems for poor readers. A 2017 study by Tina um, and and others found that reading difficulties are easily noticed by classmates, we would all see that, that they cause frustration in the affected students and that they are often accompanied by what Stanovich called the emotional, behavioural and interpersonal problems at school. Chiranan and her team tested the association of self-reported reading difficulties with peer-reported involvement in bullying in a nationally representative sample of 17 odd thousand students, grades three to eight, from over a thousand classrooms in about 150 schools. That's a really good sample. Mm. And they found that students reporting reading difficulty are involved in bullying more often than others and, and actually considerably more, more often that one third of students reporting reading difficulties are victims, bullies or bully victims. In other words, they're both in certain circumstances, mm -hmm. according to their peers, and that reading difficulties increase victimisation risk and, of course, self-esteem. I think that's a pretty telling study. One way of growing and demonstrating reading skills and a natural pathway into developing reading skills is, of course, the topic of this talk, reading aloud. There is now a grow, growing wealth of research emerging from a range of disciplines. And you'll love this, Zoe. It's not only literacy, it's not only literature, it's not only education, but it's diverse fields such as neuroscience, which is completely fascinating on this issue, psychology, paediatrics and biology. And this is confirming the significance and the importance of reading the studies looking at this. And so, I mean, when we talk about reading aloud, it can be something that we do at home with kids or adults for that matter. Um, it could be something that teachers can continue to support in school. 
But I wanted to start off maybe by thinking about the significance of reading aloud at home and how we can support this. So how reading aloud at home can build literacy skills, but also prepare younger children for school too. Susan Grinfield, you might have heard of her, she's a very popular neuroscientist, um, says, and she's talking about books and books and story and reading and making kids read. And she says, stories have a beginning, a middle and an end, a structure that encourages our brains to think in sequence, to link cause, effect and significance. It is essential to learn the skill as a small child while the brain has more plasticity, which is why it's so important for parents, she says, to read to their children. So, and that's so, so true. She says that such reading helps to expand children's attention spans, encourage se sequential thinking, link cause, effect and significance, and, and therefore meaning making. Mm, that is very interesting. And I think, you know, when you talk about um, that sequential thinking, you know, that's something that we want to start thinking about for younger kids, maybe before they can read to themselves at that level. So, yeah, very impactful at a young age too. Yeah. The other study I looked at was um, New Zealand at Dorothy Butler, and you've probably heard of this one, but it, it's so pertinent. Um, she told she told us this back in 1980 um, in in one of her books, Kushla and her books. She wrote about how her severely handicapped granddaughter responded positively and beyond medical expectation to books. And it's such a power, little book, only a little book, but powerful and inspiring. From the age of four months on, books were held close in front of baby Kushla's eyes. She couldn't focus on distant objects and they were read about and talked about with her. The results were amazing. By the age of three, Kushla could, in inverted commas, read aloud. That is, she could remember and say to the right page. I mean, I think that's phenomenal, really. Whole passages verbatim, including all of the poems of A.A. Mill. So that's what can be done now. The next lot of research, I, there's, there's stacks of research in all of these little categories. Mm. But I'm now going, moving on to talking about how important it, it is to, to try to help children develop reading early. The results of a study called Early Reading Matters, led by Carolyn Cates from the um, Department of Paediatrics at New York University, um, school of medicine, etc., and interestingly funded by Eunice, Shri Eunice Kennedy Shriver National Institute of Child Health, which is really great. Um, she has shown that reading books with infants can boost vocabulary and reading skills by Fred four years later. This is exactly now a quote. These findings are exciting because they suggest that reading to young children beginning even in early infancy, has a lasting effect on language, literacy and early reading skills. Book reading quality during early infancy predicts early reading skills, while book reading quantity and quality during toddler years appeared through, throughout 
strongly tied to later emergent literacy, literacy skills. You know, sorry, I get excited about that because, I mean, that obviously reading to a baby, you, you, would, you might not think it's going to help, but it does. It exposes a child not only to the sound of the language, the sound of words, the sequence of words, but also the melody of words, you know, and, and also the reader, probably the mum or dad or grandma or whatever, his or her excitement about the words. And I think that's lovely as well. And I think, too, just on that, you know, you talked quite a lot about reading for pleasure, reading aloud for pleasure um, last time and also today. And I think... Um, when you talk about the melody and you think about the kind of rhythm of children's books and, you know, that rhythm becomes more complex as we read beyond there, but it becomes so ingrained in our memory at that age as well, even if we can't, I think, communicate that. It helps us. It helps us as we grow into understanding what the word, what the signs mean, what the words are, because we're, we're used to that, that sense of the melody and the music even of the words. And you can play with that as a parent, as a teacher. There's so much work that's helping us understand reading um, on the physiology of the brain. And we never looked at, well, in the earlier days, reading research didn't go into physiology, didn't, didn't go into those sort of areas. But now it's interesting, and I don't quite know what to make of this, but I, we do know that the skill of reading only developed about 5,500 years ago. And scientists tell us that that's not enough time for evolution to reshape the brain. Yet the brain has a region exclusively dedicated to this human skill. And it's a unique human skill. And I think that's really interesting. A 2016 study from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology um, Institute for Brain Research, suggests that this brain region has connections to other parts of the brain that are in place even before a child learns to read. And at the visual word forms area, which in, that, in their language they call the VWFA, and that receives visual impact, that area has pre-existing connections to regions associated with language processing. The evidence of this study, which scanned children at five years who were pre-reading, they weren't readers, and then at eight years when they were readers, suggests that these connections exist before reading is learned and are not the result of learning to read. Make what you will of that. Yeah, it's exciting. It's very interesting. Um, yeah. Zainab Sagan, the lead author of this research, says it's likely that the region involved in some kind of visual high-level object recognition is just taken over for word recognition as a child learns to read. And I think I wrote down in, in, in great big letters when I read that, this of course highlights the importance of picture books mm -hmm. and of teacher, parent, carer, reading, chat. You know, reading aloud and reading chat, because there must be, we don't understand it, but there must be some connection. I'm, I think it's interesting what neuroscience and technology are telling us about this reading brain. The activity mm -hmm. of, and I love this, Zoe, you or two, 
the activity of reading can physically influence the brain. Get that? It can physically influence the brain. brain. In a 2014 study, researchers at Carnegie Mellon University discovered that reading about the actions in a chapter of a book involved the same brain regions as those you would use in a real life experience, such as watching someone move in the real world. Now that's the first thing. And the second thing is that cognitive scientist Veronique Boulanger of the Laboratory of Language Dynamics in France led an experiment in which the brains of participants were scanned as they read sentences. The scan showed that the words describing motion stimulated regions of the brains of the brain that are distinct from the language processing areas. When participants read sentences such as John grasped the object and Pablo kicked the ball, not only did the scan show activity in the motor cortex, the part of the brain that coordinates bodily movements, but the detected activity was concentrated in one part of the motor cortex when it was about the arm and another part when it was about the, about the leg. And then thirdly, a team of researchers in Spain led by Gonzalez used functional magnetic resonance imaging, that is fMRI, and asked passive subjects to read odour-related words, like garlic, for example. They write, when subjects read the Spanish for, say, perfume and coffee, their primary olfactory smell cortex lift, lit up. When they saw the words for chair and key, this region remained dark. In other words, the brain is stimulated in a different way. And reading about a, per a perfume or a smell, whatever it is, can actually stimulate that olfactory part of the brain that reacts to smells. And do you think reading aloud, when we talk about these really sensory words, do you think that is increased in that experience? Yeah, yeah because, cause... you know, when you read to kids, you're always whether it's your own kids when they're at home or whether it's kids in school, I've taught right across the spectrum. And especially when, when you do as I did, which was I had a reading cloak because I was trying to show them the power of the, of the word that can, when it is spoken. I'm also very interested in muscle memory. And I think this is something else that's very, very um, interesting in, in when we're talking about the spoken word and, and the and reading aloud and empathy. And Professor Gregory Burns, who's a, a neuroscientist at, um, in the US, has published the findings of a study using MRI scans to track the lingering neural effects of reading a narrative. The scan results showed that there was heightened connectivity in the left temporal cortex, which is associated with language. This suggests that reading a novel may cause persisting changes in resting state connectivity of the brain and improve brain function. And Burns says, even though the participants were not actually reading the novel while they were in the scanner, they retained this heightened connectivity. We call that a shadow activity, almost like a muscle memory 
in sports science. We already know that good stories can put you in someone else's shoes in a figurative sense. Now we're seeing that something may also be happen happening biologically. It's, and this relates to the idea of muscle memory in mm. science. Burns writes a bit further on. This study does not directly draw these conclusions, but it seems like common sense that if we encourage our children to read, as opposed to tuning out through television, see what he calls theory of mind and the ability to be compassionate in another person's suffering will improve. We'll hear more from Rosemary after this quick message from our sponsor. You're listening to a podcast from Teacher Magazine, supported by the QT Academy. Teachers do their best for students, but being a teacher can be really tough. QT Academy Professional Development provides a powerful way for teachers to form a bond with other teachers, to learn from each other, and strengthen their practice for better student engagement and academic results. QT Academy, empowering teachers to empower each other. Visit qtacademy.edu.au. So when we're, when we're reading aloud to a class, there is an intimacy in sharing story together. There's usually a propinquity, a sharing of physical space that encourages reactions to the words being read. And of course, we as readers can play on that and have fun with that. So stories encourage reaction, thinking, and imaginative involvement and emotions. And there's also research, a whole other field of research in this area, which shows that emotion can encourage learning, that how we feel, how we feel will motivate, activate, and influence both our mind and brain. So we don't want to be, we want to, I suppose, when we're reading aloud, what we want to do is, is convey how we interpret the the reader interprets the emotions that are being read about, you know, whether it's, you know, it's a formidable figure or whether it's a, um, a little a little chicken or something, whatever it happens to be. So in all sorts of ways, contemporary, contemporary research is showing how important it is to immerse young people in words and language and story, amplifying their sense of the world. world and imaginatively engaging with possibilities. Mm, I think it's so interesting, you know, when you talk about all of these uh, different research projects and the knowledge that has come out of them from these different disciplinary areas. I imagine them not as separate, but all interlinked really, because I guess when you're talking about empathy too, that came up just now talking about the muscle memory and, you know, if we talk about reading the word garlic and reading about grasping, the the way that that can then affect empathy, if we know what something feels like, and then linking that back again to what you were talking about with, say, behavioural issues at school, it is quite interesting to see all of these different thoughts come together. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the lovely things about reading aloud is that, for example, you can convey your feeling, your emotion, your your understanding when you re or, or or an interpretation of it. You know, you can say this sentence in this way, which is a bit timid, or you can say it in this way, which is aggress aggressive, because the words are fairly innocuous. You know, there's so many spots for for 
reader interpretation. And it's good for students to learn that, to understand that the written word can be interpreted in so many different ways. And sometimes I would say to a primary school group, um, how would you how would you say that sentence if you're feeling scared? And they love to do that. How would you how would you say it if you wanted to scare people? You know, that's an, another one. How would you say it if you were um, you didn't understand what what it meant exactly? You know, you can uh, you can play with all sorts of different scenarios, which mm. gives a, gives a lot of fun. Now, Eric Candle, I love this fellow. He doesn't know it. <laughs> He's professor of biochemistry. Um, and biophysics at the College of Physicians at Columbia University, and he's a neuroscientist. In a paper on the molecular, molecular biology of memory, he describes a gene which can be switched on with thoughts. And thinking about memory as a vast and complex network of branches, I understand that the gene is switched on when we need space to house a new thought. This creates a protein synthesis, etc. Um, and uh, in that in the gap between two new nerve cells or neurons, this little new thing develops and grows a little twig or branch to to accommodate and place this new thought. Well, I think that's you know almost testament to what you're talking about with stories because we're using these narratives to understand new concepts. And you know you do talk about that. Um, well, you talked about that in the last podcast you did with us too, reading aloud to older kids or kids who might have more advanced reading skills. You know, you can still introduce them to new narratives, more complex stories through reading aloud. The older kids, the really good readers, like to be read to. Mm. They actually like it. It's beautiful to to know. I think it's a lovely thing Um to be read to and I, I just think that's a lovely thing as well to do to read to soothe and read to or to read to soothe <laughs> absolutely and you know like reading to children when you're trying to settle them down to sleep I, I still <laughs> listen to audiobooks when I'm going to sleep at night I think it might be the particular experiences that we've had but I do see being read aloud to as something that communicates a sense of love and safety and security, you know? And I think like when our brains feel safe in that experience, it does kind of open up the potential to learn. It does. It really does. Mm. It's a, um, reading aloud can be soothing. It can be invigorating. It can be uh, inspiring, you know? It mm. all depends obviously on the, mom the moment in the book. In another research study, um, a six-month daily reading program, scientists Timothy Keller and Mar Marcel Joost from Carnegie Mellon University found that intensive instruction to improve reading skills, and I think this is great too, causes the brain to physically rewire itself, increases and improves the volume of white matter. We need that in the language area of the brain and helps to expand children's attention spans, um, encourage sequential thinking, link cause, effect and significance. And that, that sort of idea comes through in a lot of the research of that ability to, it's a sort of logical, an ability to be logical 
and the ability to try to work out things and ability to understand cause and effect and it's really important so reading aloud releases a lovely cascade of benefits for infants for children and even for old people and as i've said to you i have read sometimes to my university classes just because of them i want them to know and grow the power of their voice and because doing this can relieve anxiety for less confident readers or speakers and because one's own voice and own emotional dynamic can inspire the imagination of others listening is also a skill listening is part of it reading and listening speaking and listening free of the worry about how to pronounce some words and i found i found this with people who are um, from language back backgrounds other than english they worry and um, they worry about mispronouncing words but you're free if you're being read to if you're in a, in a story and you can hear the, the language being spoken and you're developing a compassionate understanding of others so there's so much research I'm right. Actually, you probably can tell I'm writing about this in my new book, which is mm -hmm. coming out soon. Plug Growing Young Minds. That is, that's what I'm going to say. But I want to summarise a few practical tips about shape, shaping when you, when you are setting up a reading aloud, shaping a creative and productive environment. And the first, this is the bare bones. You need to observe. You need to watch. You need to see what interests people and what that what doesn't interest them. Um, observation, I think, is one of one of a teacher or a parent's greatest um, skills: watching and seeing. And then we need to connect. We need to connect. We observe, and then we need to connect it some, with something that we have observed about the child or the person, the young person or the group. Um, with something that they know. You don't come in and just read something that they people don't know anything about. So it's good to think about a sequence of books sometimes. Um, it's in, it, it gives an example of modelling. They, they hear somebody else reading and it's a model. It encourages. Um, it, it connects again and again and again. And I want to stress the importance of expressing and demonstrating and living out wonder and questioning and imagining you know that those lovely things that reading can stimulate um that's like all the little buzz lights that happen in your brain when you're listening to something then comparing similarity obvious things comparing similarities and differences um exercise and articulate thinking and talk and chat. I cannot stress more the importance of talk and chat and just just that sort of um, backwards and forwards because it, that's both liberating and educating. Uh, encourage a sense of play, encourage wide reading, obviously. You seek out new and different perspectives. So these are my top tips. Talk, talk, talk talk verbalize okay because it's in talking that you are you're creating an atmosphere that you are um letting other people get their you know say what they think letting a child say says say what he or she thinks in talking we simulate each other you know 
and we grow the conversation. And we, we talk instinctively to our babies, don't we? We, you know, we, our babies can't talk back. We say, oh, look, it's raining or, you know, or the, you, you, you maintain a constant chatter with them. And that's all right because that's exposing that baby, that child, that toddler to the rhythms of language. And, oh, the rain, look at the rain, it's wet, you know, and you, you can even put the, the water on the child's hand. There's so many opportunities for the child to learn about their world by talking about the world, even though they can't respond, um, they don't have the language to respond yet, but you're helping them gather that language, get that language. You can create all sorts of little chants that you can repeat over and over, play with rhythm and rhyme. And that builds up a verbal environment that um, encourages attention, listening, observation, and demonstrates that sound and these things called words have meaning. Read aloud, not only just chatter, <laughs> but read aloud from as much print as you can in everyday context, for example, ads, letters, papers, or whatever. This encourages the putting together of sound and print, that sounds are related to print, that print has meaning, and point out the different shapes of letters on labels and placards when your child's in a stroller or a shopping trolley when go, going along supermarket aisles. Encourage observation, encourage the recognition of shapes, and demonstrate that shapes of print relate to different sounds. And breed a sense of respect for words, for the for the words on anything, for whatever the words are, what they are doing, what are they telling you about? They're telling you about this product, or they're telling you this, or you're telling you that, or whatever. Um, so accentuate the rhymes and the rhythms and I used to make up little rhymes and rhythms and and talk about assonance and alliteration. When you when you got when your kids have got all that, they're armed for school in a way that you know some other kids aren't, and that helps because as you know in Australia, the moment anyway, everyone has to do English for their finals. So all these things, rhyme, rhythm, alliteration, assonance, they all help. They give you a a bit of a reservoir when you have to get into the more complex stuff. So um, talk to and with the presenters of children's programs, like for example, play school. You can have a lot of fun of talking back to them and, and um, participate with it. You don't, obviously you can't do it every day, but when you can for a few minutes, if you can do that, I think that's great. That's great to be responsive. Sing with the singing and say the words clearly. Um, develop a mo model and oral listening and oral speaking receptivity. Celebrate language and rhythm and rhyme. Make up shared poems and jingles and nonsense songs. And talk, 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 talk to your, to your baby, to your children, to your students. And encourage to talk in the class as well, you know. Um, even though you've got to, you can't let it go out of hand, I think it's wonderful to to encourage that. Um, so that then it's all of this is talking about wondering, questioning, imagining, connecting, comparing, considering similarities and differences, and this is all oral. 
and a, and a sense of wonder. And I love one. I love thinking about wonder. Wonder is questioning. I wonder why. Yeah, I wonder why the leaf is still wet from the dew. And then I'm I wonder at the amazing things that happen in our world. So wonder in both of those meanings isn't that amazing? What a beautiful bird, you know, all of those things. Um, articulate the wonder of words, of reading, of speaking and of listening. And to finish off, the Stars of Africa series of books for young children in South Africa is badged with a lovely logo, Building a Nation of Readers. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to, talking about reading aloud, we're trying, everything that we're talking about doing is we, we want to build a nation who are good readers who can participate in the community as, you know, as, as intelligent readers. But there's one book in this wonderful little series, and I just want to finish with this. It tells the story of Mama Nozanswadi, and she can't read, but she loved and collected books. One day she hears of a village boy called Muzi, who has been sent home from school because his parents cannot afford to buy him a book that he needs. She takes Muzi to town and she buys the book for him and later to thank her he reads her the story and Mama says, child do you want to tell me that these books are like wise old people who can take you by the hand and teach you many things about life? She asked him. Yes Mama, I like books for that. Also, it feels like I am talking to the person who wrote that book. Sometimes, Mama, it makes me feel as if I can go with the eyes of my mind to the places in the book. And I thank you for your help. That's all for this episode of The Research Files. Thanks for listening. Links to the research mentioned in this episode will be in the transcript of this podcast available over at our website, teachermagazine.com. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to our podcast channel on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts from, so you can keep up to date with our latest episodes. If you want to keep listening now, you can access the 200 plus episodes already in our archive. While you're there, we'd love it if you could rate and review us. You've been listening to a podcast from Teacher Magazine, supported by the QT Academy. Empowering teachers to empower each other. For more, visit qtacademy.edu.au.